You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. That's what you saw with that video. That's what you saw with this aspect of community. You, you saw that number. You know, that, that it's kind of crazy for me, $42,000 that was poured into your community. So just so you understand what that means, that's $42,000 that you guys, through your generosity, have poured into this church that we've turned around and put right back into the community that we set aside. A totally different account that's called Crossroads Community Account that helps people, whether it be families in need, uh, nonprofits, school systems, helping different places, and we've done so many different things. It's been amazing, and it's been awesome, and I just want to tell you guys how much we appreciate that. So, so why do I talk about that? Well, Hebrews chapter 11 is known as a, as a hall of faith. You know, some people talk about a hall of fame. Well, it's kind of known as the hall of faith, and I talk about these things because I think there's two ways that you could take today's service. In fact, I want them to go ahead and throw up. I put together a slide, and if you have a phone, you may want to take a snapshot of this because I encourage you to look at this later on. We'll also drop this on social media today. Miss Haley will turn around, and, and a little bit after lunch, you'll see this drop on social media. But if you're not careful, you'll look at something like this, and basically in this hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, here's all the different people that are mentioned. And if you're not careful, you'll take the approach kind of like we do at the Hall of Fame, and you look at what they've done, and I don't have time to go through all of this, obviously, but it's one of those things, but we're going to go through all of these things, and you're going to see real quickly almost this attitude of, well, geez, I mean, how am I ever going to do that? Like, it's kind of like the Hall of Fame. I, I know this last week they were talking a lot about, you know, different people getting into the Hall of Fame. They're talking about the Baseball Hall of Fame and the fact that one person got in with one vote shy of being unanimous and all these different things. And, and you look at these records, and most people will approach the things that they do, and they'll study these people and what God did in their life, and they'll take the approach of this. Wow. Look at what God did through those people. Whew. Man, he could never do that in my life. And I think that if you're not careful, that's how you'll study God's Word. That's how you'll study different concepts in your life. That's how you'll look at somebody like a Mr. Scott Cantrell who's back in the saddle and home, and you'll go, wow, I celebrate that, but man, I, man, I could never do that. And you start putting things out there that are accomplishments that God's done, and you don't look at it as the way I think it should be looked at. You look at it as measuring sticks of if you're really, 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 really good, then you're going to surpass this i know this week lebron james surpassed kobe bryant to be number three all-time scoring he's still behind two people carl malone and akreem Abdul-Jabbar, who is the leader and you go wow well if you're the best then you have to surpass them and i think that that is really really stinking thinking to be honest with you and i do not believe that's the purpose of hebrews chapter 11 I do not believe that that's the purpose of what he has us here today. I do not stand up here and show you these things, some prideful, egotistical church. I share those things because of what I'm about to say over the next 15 minutes. Because I think sometimes that God will allow us to see things, not for measuring sticks of what he wants us to do, but for encouragement to know that he can. Did you catch that? We don't look at these things as, as measuring sticks of what, like, that's our goal to do. No, we look at it because we go, you know what? He can. 
God can do these things. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, has this aspect of faith, and it simply says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. It kind of defines what faith is. I put it this way. The Mickey translation is faith is the conviction that he can and the hope that he will. See, faith is an understanding that I know that he can. I just, I just hope that he will. Like when I pray, I don't pray, you know, Lord, I just, oh, I just, if you could. I don't have to pray if he could. Like I have a conviction, I have faith. I know that he can. I'm praying from a, from a stage on this side of it where I'm just hoping that he will. In fact, the, the next verse, verse 2, gives you that answer. What is faith for? For by it, people of old received their commendation. They received their praise. They received this commendation. By faith, they were pursuing something that was bigger than them. This is how God introduces chapter 11. He introduces it not because, hey, it's this hall of fame for people of faith, and this is your measuring stick. He introduces it saying, you know what? Faith is the conviction or the hope of things not seen. In fact, I'm not going to get into each one of these stories. I, I gave you the slide. You can study that this week as you go into 22 days of prayer. But I want to pull up verse 6, verse six in Hebrews chapter 11. Because not only does it give us a definition of faith, but it also tells you what's going to happen without faith. Verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible. It is impossible. Is it maybe? It is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Bobby talked a minute ago. He says, if you'll draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Do you know what? It's impossible. It's impossible to not have faith and draw near to God. Because what happens is the reason why it's impossible is because not only are you limiting God, but you're limiting yourself. Without faith, you will find yourself frustrated and giving up. Because everything will seem too big, and everything will seem like it's not enough. See, God says, you know what, it, it's, it's your hope that I'm going to, and your conviction that I can, that all of a sudden you can lean into me with this amazing concept of, you know what, God, you do what only you can do. In fact, it's impossible without faith to draw near to God. So, question number one of the quick morning. Well, Mickey, I, I sometimes struggle. I feel like there's like this roadblock. Like I just, like I get in life and I just, like I know God's there, but I don't like, I don't know. I just feel like I'm, like I can't get through this fog. What are you trusting in? I don't have time to re-preach, but the last time I was with you guys, and I appreciate y'all letting me be gone last week to speak at a conference, and we had a great time. But the week before that, I talked about how sometimes you've got to let go or say goodbye to say hello. And we talked about what we put our faith in. Listen, if you're having a hard time getting through the fog and seeing God move in amazing ways, I'm going to challenge you. Where's your faith? Now, I'm not talking about this, you know, butterflies and rainbows. And, no, oh, I just believe I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to sit down and wait for God to move. Well, you can try that. I would encourage you not to. That's not the faith that he's talking about. Because I believe that his faith is going to result in you believing in him and why he exists. 
In fact, he will actually direct your purpose a little bit more. In fact, let's look at the next scripture in chapter 11. After he gives all these diatribes of what God did in Jacob and Abraham and these other people, he says in verse 13, these all, talking about the people that he mentioned in the previous verses, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greater them from afar, or greeting them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. You say, Mickey, okay, well, what does that mean? Let me put it in everyday 2000 Cleveland English. God used the faith of the forefathers to help them stay on course even when they didn't know where they were going. Like he knew, like Abraham, that he's getting older and he knows that God has promised me to be the father of many nations, but yet here I am and my wife's 100 years old. Moses, you're going to be called to deliver his people. Okay, yeah, but there's a river in front of me and there's people going to kill me behind me. Well, step into the river and watch and see what happens. Jacob and Esau and all these different people in the Old Testament. Chapter 11 is an amazing, amazing chapter. If you do spend some time to study it this week, you will really, really, really enjoy it because you will, at the end of the week, have a great understanding of the whole Old Testament history the foundation of the Jews, the Hebrews, in which this book is written to. And he's using these Hebrew characters, these Hebrew heroes, the author is to give them a very exact point. And the point is this, for the first 10 chapters, he's wanting to know that Jesus is superior than anything that you possibly could believe in. Not only is he superior, now he goes into chapter 11 and starts making a transition. It says, and Jesus is the reason why that when your forefathers were doing all of these things, this is what ultimately they were pursuing. Even though they didn't know what they were going to, they had faith knowing that there was something bigger than them. And then he goes to the last scripture in chapter 11. He keeps going with all these different stories. And again, I don't have time to go through all of them talking about these forefathers. That's the reason why I gave you the slide. But in verse 39, he says, In all these, referring to all the people he'd mentioned, though commend through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. See, this is an amazing and trapping scripture. Because if you read the first part of it, you would get confused thinking that their faith resulted in them not receiving something. But if you stop reading, then you're going to miss the whole point because he says, no, no. It's not that they didn't receive what they were looking for. God was in the midst of sending something that was better. And for the first time in this chapter, he uses a different pronoun, us. See, what's cool is your faith will have a way to be right, and you'll know when you're really pursuing God the right way because it'll change more than just your life. Like whenever you find yourself and you go, wow, man, my faith and my, what I'm believing, like you should see what God's doing in my life. And I'd say, well, what's he doing in everybody else's life? Oh, I don't know, but man, in my life. Listen, if there's not an us, you probably are missing what he means by faith. Like God at no point starts moving mountains for you, but he will move them for you, plural, which is us. See, he's always thinking of the bigger picture. He's always thinking of something larger. See, I think there's really two types of strategies that goes on in Hebrews chapter 11. There's the strategy of, wow, look at everything and what God did. Wow, these people are so great. 
Or I think there's a more appropriate where it's going, you know what? Look at what happens and how God can use everyday, ordinary people when they have faith and they trust. Talk about leadership for two seconds. A lot of you will deal with this because I believe great leadership means sometimes you take a step even though you don't know what's next. Have you ever known people that want to try to figure out a major solution? And they're trying to figure out what that solution is and they're like waiting for the writing on the wall? See, a part of great leadership is that sometimes you take a step and you trust even though you don't know exactly what the answer is because you know that in the process of the journey, sometimes the answer's in the journey. It's not in the beginning stage. It's not in the gate. It's in the journey. You say, well, Mickey, I, I don't know if I understand that. Well, think about your own life. Why is it that, that you look at people that are older and they, they kind of have a different perspective? They have a little bit of a different understanding. Why are grandparents so daggum amazing? Because they get it. Yeah, they sit there and they just laugh and they're like, yeah, yeah that's really not that big of a deal. But then they just sit back and they all have kind of the same attitude, don't they? But I'm not going to tell you what you should really do because you need to learn the hard way just like me. And I'm like, what's up with that? And the reason why they do that is because they're leveraging their own position so that they can always be the grandparent and awesome. But as you go through children, trust me, Easton was born, dropped a passy, we would boil it. The second time we dropped it, we would throw it away and buy another one. Brynn, drop a passy, I'd pick it up, lick it myself, stick it in her mouth, let's go. Easton was born, we get ready to go somewhere, oops, he had an accident, we rearranged the whole schedule, we don't know what we're going to do. Brynn has an accident, we don't even put her in the car seat, we're driving down the road with her in the lap, changing a diaper, 75 miles per hour, going down the interstate. You said, is that healthy? I didn't say it was right, I'm telling you the difference in first child and fifth child. And if you're sitting there going, oh my goodness, yeah, you've only got one child. If you'll notice, all the grandparents are laughing. They're like, yep, he's got it. But your perspective changes. Why? Because the more you experience God's faith, then the more you start leaning in on it and you start stepping harder. Like it's amazing when you see God move how much quicker you can jump off the ledge. It's amazing. And that's what these people are talking about. In fact, verse 12, first few verses. Starts with a therefore. Now, you guys know my little rule. I'm not this great biblical scholar, but whenever you see a therefore in God's word, you need to see what it's there for. Well, I just gave you the real quick synopsis of what it's there for. Because of all the things that God did through these people that he's told you about, he's kind of giving you a whole synopsis of the Old Testament in chapter 11. And he's showing you how powerful faith can be. And because he's been consistent in their life, therefore, you, you, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness. Can I hit a pause button for just a second? I'm going to try to chase this rabbit super, super quick. But this is a really cool thing that I, I don't have time to preach it. But this is the only time in God's word that it talks about somebody looking down on you from heaven. Like nowhere else in God's word, there, there's, there's this major separation. But in this particular scripture when it says, for we are surrounded for such a great a cloud of witnesses, in that Greek, it's actually the concept of an observing. Since we are surrounded, since we have people that have already been there, it's almost like there's people are looking bound. You say, well, Mickey, is that what you think? I, I don't know exactly where I land completely on that. I don't mind telling you, I, I, you know, I don't 
I don't think like my father who passed away, I, I don't think he's sitting up there on the elbows of heaven looking down going, hmm, well, I wonder what he's going to do here. I don't think that's what's going on. I think that he's at the feet of Jesus worshiping him. He's so caught up in who Jesus is that he doesn't have time to really think. I mean, like he's enthralled with worshiping Jesus. But this is talking about these witnesses, that there's these, these people that you have been surrounded with, this testimony. And then listen to what it does. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also, and it gives us some things to do, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before, and look at that pronoun, us. Some of you feel like you're running a race by yourself. God never meant you to run this race by yourself. You know what's important about this gathering every Sunday? Is you need each other. And I need each other. And we all need each other. Like life is the ultimate team sport. Like nobody is meant to do life by themselves. This is not a, a marriage question. No, I'm talking about everyday, ordinary people having friends and acquaintances to say, you know what, I'm going to make sure that we are in us and that us are better. Then he keeps going. He said, look to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set out before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne. Consider him who endured for sin and hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted. You know, today's message is simple. I don't believe that God gives us Hebrews chapter 11 as the measuring stick. I don't believe that God does amazing things like Scott Cantrell. And, and then we go, wow, I can't believe, wow, look at what God's doing. Like, why would he do this? You know why? Because he wants you to know that he's able. Like today, he wants you to know that if he's done it once, you know what? He'll do it again. When I look at all the things that God did through that video, I don't look at, oh, well, prideful, look at what, we ain't done nothing. But God did something amazing through you. Yes, you. You say, well, he ain't talking about me. Yes, I'm talking about you. Every single one of you. I mean, that's what's so crazy, isn't it? I don't mind telling you. If you had went to high school with me, and right now you showed up and sat in one of these seats, you literally in your mind would say, well, I'll tell you what, if God can use that guy, he can use anybody. In which I would just say, amen. Some of you, some of you giggle and say, well, I, I wonder what the pastor was like as a teenager. No, you don't. I didn't accept Christ until I was 17 years old. And to be honest with you, some of you would be like, I don't know if he could be a pastor. But God did something miraculous in my life, just like I know some of your stories. And some of you are just as funny. See, some of you, you don't know this. <laughs> it's fun. Because I have people that come up to me on a regular basis, and it, it's so fun. It, like one of the major joys of my life is the privilege that I get to represent you. And people come up and they say, hey, I heard that so-and-so's coming to Crossroads. And I'll say, yeah, man, I love that guy. And they'll say, man, if you only knew. And I know all of you are thinking, oh, my gosh, what has he heard? And you know what I hear? I hear of an amazing journey. 
I hear of an amazing journey that God's taking you on through faith. The only thing that gets me emotional is then I sit down and I meet with you. And we talk together. And we laugh together. And we go to Buffalo Wild Wings together. Or we go watch Royal Rumbles together. Or we go to ball games together. Or we see each other at a restaurant. And at some point, rather than stopping and seeing the journey of your faith and seeing that God was able and what he's delivered you from, you're living in a spirit of being conquered as if he can't do anything now. And today I called it Smell the Roses Day. I literally had it in my mind. I was going to go buy a bunch of these little miniature rose bushes. You say, why didn't you do that? Daggum Valentine's Day. Isn't it amazing how expensive all those flowers get? So come around the end of February because they'll be on sale, and I may just have something for you. (laughs) You say, pastor's cheap. No, frugal. Frugal sounds much better. But we don't stop and smell the roses because of something we've accomplished. We stop and celebrate what God's done because it's going to empower us when we hit teetotal hell that we can say, you know what? I don't have to live here because God's done it once. Guess what? He can do it again. God, let's move. Like that's what it's about. When I go into these situations, I was talking about the basketball team. I also had a chance to go over to Cleveland. We've got the legend ourselves, the mullet, here on a regular basis. And if you don't know what that means, you need to come to me one day to Cleveland, and you'll see the most bodacious mullet, like Billy Ray Cyrus, probably has sent this kid a letter. And when I go into these different places and talk, you know what I talk about? How God can do something bigger if you'll stop and realize what he's already done. Like if I had to hit a pause button and just talk to my guys for a minute that I get a chance to go do devotions with, I'd say the regular season, really what that is, is is God's wanting to show you what you can do if you do what you're supposed to do. And all of a sudden when it comes time for tournaments, when it comes time for other things in life, you can stop and say, you know what? Let's not focus on all the bad games. Let's look at the great games and look at what God can do when we do what we're supposed to do. Why did we show that video? Because I want you to know what God can do when we do what we're supposed to do. You say, Mickey, how in the world did y'all get to that number that was so large? Because at the beginning of the year, you know, we want, we want to do 10%. So at the beginning of the year, we were planning on it being roughly, I mean, we thought, we, man, we were going to really, if we could get to 18,000. You say, what happened? You got obedient and God showed up. And I want you today to leave here. I'm talking about, like, I, I want to kind of motivate you. Like, I want you to use this, cha- I want you to get into chapter 11 and let it motivate you. Like, as you're looking to things to go, like, I, I want Principal Spangler to be able to look at what God's done already in this short first year and let it motivate him five, six years down the road of what God can do as we keep doing more because I know God can. And same thing for you. Yeah, here's the way the, the guy in the old country says it. God didn't bring you to it. Not to get you through it. So I don't know where you sit. I don't know what's going on right now. But I want to today declare it, smell the rose this Sunday.
You say, Pastor, that's weird. Everybody knows I'm weird. And to stop and celebrate what God's did. Not out of pride or arrogance or, oh, man. This is, no. So that we know when the days that are coming, and trust me, they are coming. We can very quickly say, oh, not today, Satan. Because God's done it once. And he can do it again. See, I've hit a point in my own life. This is confessions of the not so rich and famous. Where some things will start happening and it just motivates me. Like I'm like, oh, so you, you want to come after me that way. Man, I, I mean, I'm, I'm in a shout match in my house and I'm like, Lord, I refuse to allow any strongholds on my life that's going to keep me from experiencing the amazement of yours. And I wonder who else feels like that. So, in fact, here's what we're going to do. Now, I'm going to ask all of you to do this. You say, no, I'm not doing it. Yes, you will. All of you are going to do this. See, at Crossroads, we put this into words. We've tried to put this into some words so that you can understand exactly what we mean as far as what God's calling you to do in leadership. We call it our leadership declaration. If you've ever been through growth track, you've heard this. But today, I want all of us to stand up, and we're going to read this out loud. And this is going to be our battle cry as we celebrate what God's done, as we look forward to what he's going to do as we come off of 21 days of prayer. Are you ready? Read this out loud with me. Because God has called me to serve my generation, I will value worship over wealth, we over me, character over comfort, service over status, and God's purposes over possessions, positions, popularity, and pleasure. To my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ I say, however, whenever, wherever, and whatever you ask me to do, my answer in advance is yes. Wherever you lead, whatever the cost, I'm ready anytime, anywhere. I want to be used by you in such a way that on that final day, I'll hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in and let the eternal party begin. We'll drop that on social media, too, because I know a lot of you are going, oh, man, that, I need that. Like, some of you need to get up every day and just read that. And say, God, I know you've been faithful before. Thank you for fixing to be faithful again. If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.